Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Dove Differently. This is Rabbi Danny Nevins, and today we're concluding our week of studying Tractate Ketubot together. We are on page Ayin Tet Amud Aleph and Bet, pages 79a and b. My grandfather, Allah Shalom, had a saying that you should always buy real estate whenever possible. Uh, he, like many People of the older generation felt that uh, spending money on, uh, on movable items like cars and jewelry and things like that could be nice, but the real thing, the real demonstration of wealth and of security was to own real estate. You see that attitude also in this parak of the Gemara because um, when a woman inherits land, that is something that is meant to be kept. Her husband can... Uh, can benefit from the payroll, from the income on that land, literally the fruits, um, but the land itself shouldn't be sold. Um, but it, on page 79, we have uh, actually three Mishnayot. Uh, we're only going to look at the first two of them. The first one speaks about the case of Naflu Lak Safim. If a woman inherits money, then uh, what is the man's, her husband supposed to do uh, with his wife's property, which is not real estate. And the Mishnah says that he should use it to purchase land. He should use that money that his wife has inherited to purchase land on her behalf. And then there's very a clear legal status. The land will belong to her. She is allowed to inherit from her father, for example. But her husband will have use of fruct, will have the ability to live off the fruits now, I'm going to skip the rest of this Mishnah and the Gemara that goes with it and look at the next Mishnah, which is now uh, towards the end of Amud Bed, which says something similar. What happens if the, the property that this woman inherits, let's say, from her father is not land, nor is it money, but it is a human type of capital that was tragically known in the ancient world, um, slaves. Uh, Avadim does not mean servants, and Shvachot doesn't mean servants, it means slaves. These are people who are owned and are being inherited by this woman from her father. The thing, though, about these slaves is that they're old. So the question is, well, um, are they just property like any other property? And in that case, they're movable property, and they're old, so they're not going to be valuable for very long. So the husband should sell these slaves on the market and he should purchase uh, real estate and then he'll be able to go along with the established law. Now that is a shocking ruling and certainly horrifying from a modern sensibility, but of course they are living in a, in a time of slavery. So we, we sort of at least can understand the logic here. Um, but Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel uh, doesn't like this teaching of the Tanakhama. He says, Lo kor. No, don't sell off the, her slaves. Because 
They are literally um, a praise of her father's house. Now, I think what he's saying here is that slaves are not, in fact, just like any other property. They are, in a sense, connected to the family. They're people who had a relationship with her father. So um, for the husband to say to these to his wife, you know, I'm going to sell off those slaves that have been in your family for decades. Maybe this woman raised you, was a nurse to you. Maybe the man was um, was around the house and helped you out. And um, and yet I, I don't really want to keep them because, you know, they're old and they're not worth so much anymore. So let's just buy some land. So there's some sort of an emotional attachment, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamil says. And so therefore, the slaves should not be sold but rather should be retained by the family, uh, by the husband on behalf of his wife. Then it gives another example of a type of property she could have inherited, which could again have emotional value. Let's say she inherited a field with some olive trees or some, um, or some grape vines, but they're old, so they are still giving fruit, but they're not in their prime anymore. And they're the kinds of trees that perhaps would get uprooted so that younger trees could be planted. Well, um, again, you've got this thing that it makes some sense. If a woman inherits property, her husband is allowed to sort of manage it on her behalf. These are not good investments, so he's going to sell them and purchase uh, better investments. And yet, um, old trees, likewise, uh, have uh, an emotional attachment to them, and especially olive trees and grape trees, which are symbolic. They're two of the seven species of the land of Israel. Um, and so you can see why the Mishnah would say that this woman would not necessarily want her husband to sell off this property that she received from her own family. Um, so again, the Tanakhama says that the husband can sell them. And now it's not Rabbi Shem ben Gamil, it's uh, Rabbi Yehuda who says, Lotim kor shevach beit aviha. Um, they shouldn't be sold because they are a praise. Perhaps we could even translate it as a reminder um, of her father's house. Remember, this is a woman who's inherited, which means that she's been bereaved. She lost her parents. And so um, having this property, which reminds her of her family, uh, is certainly uh, understandable. Rashi says in his comment to this Mishnah um, about Lotim Kor that the property shouldn't be sold, she can actually block the sale that her husband wants to engage in. So he may not be sensitive, but she is. And so even though he gets to manage her property, she does have some rights to object to its just summary um, sale. Now the Gemara here um, brings us a teaching in the name of Rav Kahana, citing Rav, the first generation Amora. And he says, he says, you know, this debate that we're hearing about between the Tanakhama and this, these other rabbis, um, and he's really talking about the Sefer, the end of the Mishnah here, Rabbi um, Yehuda, that debate is only if the field uh, is really designated for her. But, um, but if it wasn't her field in the outset, in other words, this is property, perhaps, that her father acquired after she'd already left the house. So this was never a field that she had any emotional attachment to. Then everyone would agree that, um, that she, it can be sold, because after all, it's going to be ripped up anyway. These are old trees, for example. 
But Rav Yosef disagrees. He he, he objects. Matkif la Rav Yosef hare avadim shvachot ki hasadeh sheina shaladami upligei. He says, wait a second. This Mishnah is two halves. The first half talks about the elderly slaves, and the second half talks about the elderly trees. And the Mishnah reports a debate that's a parallel debate between both of them. So it can't be that there's this differentiation here about whether the field is hers or not. Um, so he points that to the structure of the Mishnah is sort of uh, objecting to uh, this this resolution. So um, the Gemara then resolves that Ella Rather, if he said something, that is Rav Kahana and quoting Rav, this is what he meant to say. Um, the debate is only about a field that doesn't belong to her. Um, but if the field does, in fact, uh, um, belong to her, it was connected to her, everyone agrees that... Um, it shouldn't be sold, because it is a praise, or it is um, perhaps a, uh, a positive connection to the house of her father. So what do we take for, take away from this, um, this text here? Well, one thing is how far our world is from their world. Uh, we don't have husbands selling without, uh, their wives' property without permission. We don't have slaves... Uh, today, thank God, um, and we don't have this whole sort of uh, hierarchy where a free man can sort of dispose of everybody else's property, including the very bodies and lives of slaves. On the other hand, we do see some sensitivity here that um, that there is uh, an emotional attachment um, to people and to trees, um, that the husband, uh, while he does have to manage his wife's property, he doesn't have unlimited uh, control. He has to be sensitive to her feelings, uh, to her interests, and uh, and indeed he has some responsibility for maintaining her family um, name and her father's property and reputation. So um, I think that we can salvage the Mishnah in that regard, that there is something positive here that um, we need to think about in our own families as well, or in our own marriages. Um, often, uh, for instance, when a couple marries, uh, they'll go to one side of the family for Passover every year or for Thanksgiving or something like that. And, uh, and maybe it makes sense. Uh, geographically, it makes sense. Maybe it makes sense in other ways, dietary issues and, and the like, um, just quality relationships. But even if, um, if let's say, uh, I'm the winner and, and we make those events with my family, uh, there's still a responsibility I have to maintain uh, my partner's uh, relationship with her family, and uh, and I think if we do that, then we have shalom bayit, we have peace in the home, and we have uh, a Torah which is one of chesed, of, of compassion. So with this we conclude our week of study. The next teacher will be picking up at the last lines of Ayin Tet Amud Bet, the Mishnah that begins in Motzi Hotzaot. Thank you for learning with us, and please keep up your joy of Torah study. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.